On today's show, a lot of heartburn over the proposed food tax increase. And the question, censure over impeachment. Representative Ben McAdams is on the censure train. Tune in Monday through Thursday, 9 to 11 for Dave and Dijanovic. I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Welcome to Innovation and Leadership. This is part two with Michael Gervais. What I've come to learn is that everybody already knows how to do this. So what we ask people to do is we, we have a fundamental belief that everything you need is already inside you. Okay, so how have you been successful in the past doing this? And they say, you know, huh, I don't know. This is another episode of our Innovation and Leadership series where we interview pro athletes, world-class musicians, CEOs, Hollywood filmmakers, and a wide variety of other high achievers. Also, I want to talk to you about one of our show's sponsors. I met these guys back on episode six. CEO Zach Smith was telling me all about starting a skateboard company and how much he hated doing the bookkeeping uh, for a skateboard shop and how he really uh, got led to start this business, Bookly, that's a hybrid combining bookkeeping software and human services. And I'll tell you why I let them become a sponsor. It's because I use their service now. I don't love paying 50 bucks an hour for bookkeepers to do stuff that I know software could do way, way cheaper, but uh, I don't love bookkeeping at all. So I want a real live human who knows what they're talking about to help me with the stuff I don't understand. Uh, Probably the straw that broke the camel's back for me, though, the thing that put me over the top was that they could do my taxes and payroll also. Um, So totally suggest checking them out. Go to their website, bookly.co, and check out their flat rates. I've been super happy with them. So now on to today's episode. Michael, before we continue the conversation, because I pretty much just want to go on the same track we did from part one, let's take a little bit of a right turn. One of the things we like to ask a lot of our guests is, we've got this charity, Child Rescue, trying to prevent child trafficking. Uh, you know, our listeners know about it. Um, not knowing hardly anything about what we do, you know, we've got these four high school kids, by high school kids, prevention campaigns in America. We help build an aftercare facility in Cusco, Peru. We help fund law enforcement trainings, or sometimes we even send guys on undercover rescue missions to help law enforcement in the developing world um, or, or fund those things. If you were our advisor say, trying to help us you know, gain a level of mastery at getting more people involved in combating this crime, what, what advice would you have what for us? What a fantastic mission uh, that you've committed to, and what a hard topic and a... And a absolute crisis of a condition that these children are in. So um, the first thing that I would suggest is people that are involved in um, any sort of mission-based work that is intense as what you guys are are spending time in are going to be required to have the capacity because it's such an empathetic and compassion-based work that that and it can become exhausting at the intensity of the emotion. That the people that you're directly involved with, you want them to stay involved as long as you can with their best self, with their resources. So I would help that first the people that are already part of your ecosystem um, to learn how to recover in a world-class way, 
and to learn how to become more mindful. They're already very mindful, but to become more mindful so that they can um, strengthen the empathy, compassion, and uh, the conviction skills required to go on this very nasty and brutal um, predatorial uh, combatants that they're needing to face down and compete with. So uh, I would start with the internal group and I would make sure that every every time that we're together or uh, through any medium that you can, that you would help them recover. And the four pillars of recovery are sleeping in a world-class way. And that's 68% of humans need between seven, eight hours of sleep just to be normal. And so um, I would help support them on ways to get uh, the right quality and the right depth of sleep. And I would just mention it a lot and value it a lot. So it's part of your world that, hey, we're, we're on this mission together. Let's get our sleep right because we need each other to be great to do this. These kids need us. And then the second is to make sure we're talking about the second pillar of recovery is to make sure we're talking about fueling ourselves well. And so fueling ourselves with hydration and with proper nutrition. And so to help your people, again, to be mission minded for the long haul is to help them make great choices on nutrition. And, you know, the most basic frame of that is you want to get a lot of colors on your plate that come from Mother Nature. Skittles and M&Ms and Starbucks, what are they called? Starbursts. Those are not, those are not the colors we're talking about, right? Like colorful foods on your plate. And um, with what we're trying to get for most people is somewhere between 20, 30 grams of protein on a regular basis. And you want to help people eat more than, um, more than one meal a day, you know, like three meals to five meals a day, somewhere in that range uh, to be optimal with the way that we burn our fuel. And then on the hydration side, you want to make sure that you're uh, a rule of thumb that we have for people that sweat in an average way is 40 ounces before four o'clock as a bare minimum, as a bare minimum. And then the third pillar of recovery is to help people move well. So most people that are obviously not world-class and elite athletes, um, which is uh, where I spend my time with, is that we need to encourage them to move more. And so the basic idea is two to two and a half hours of some sort of moderate cardiovascular work and two to two and a half hours of some sort of resistance or strength training per week. So somewhere around four to five hours a week of um, moderate to intense exercise. And we know that interval training is is uh, a bit better for people where you get your heart rate up and then uh, you, you bring it back down and you get it back up again and bring it back down. And the more fit you are, the faster you can do it. But if you're just starting off, you want to make sure that that cadence is um, is appropriate for your, yourself. So we recommend on the pillar two is to go get with a nutritionist or somebody that's really thoughtful and studied nutrition. And in three hours, you'll know 80% of what they know. And then the same on the fitness world, you know, like in the fitness world, get with a coach. And in three sessions, you'll know 60%, 70% of what they know. And then the last pillar of recovery is, is training think well. So we've got sleep well, fuel well, move well, and then think well. And the think well platform is really grounded in mindfulness. It's grounded in optimism. And it's grounded in strategies to be confident. And then so uh, we make sure that we help people with those three skills. That's awesome. Well, and I want to talk about what what you and, and Coach Pete Carroll are doing at Compete to Create. It's uh, kind of, you know, looking at the 21st century answers and how technology can help, you know, organizations or businesses or, or people that want to do more of this. Um, uh, so 
be, before we jump into you know what you guys are doing with your apps or or what form that takes, I'd love to put it through the lens of some of the things we were talking about in part one of the episode, um, and, and specifically, I, I want to pick on one thing you brought up. You talked about, hey, it's not it's not never having negative thoughts cross your mind. It's the like excessive dwelling on them that that you're leaking you're leaking your power out. <laughs> you're leaking your <laughs> you're, you're leaking your drive. Um, for somebody to that sounds, that sounds so funny, right? Yeah, that you're leaking. But yeah, like literally. On no. the side, uh, it's 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 funny <laughs> to hear you say that. But on the sidelines, uh, it's a funny little joke. Because I'll walk by somebody, and as long as we've got a good relationship with each other, and I'm talking about like the, C- the Seattle Seahawks, and I'll walk by and go, "Bro, you are leaking," and he's like, "You're right, I am freaking leaking," and he's like, "Oh, I'm leaking right now with you," and then we start laughing. Because it's like all this extra energy that you're burning, worrying about something that went wrong or that it's not going to work. It's just, you're just leaking, you know? And so like literally get your stuff together now. And how do you get yourself together in that way? You got to front load the mental training. And I can't tell you how excited I am that the science is here. The, some of the strongest men and women in the world are pointing to the value of doing psychological skills training. And they're getting extraordinary results and they're talking about at the same time having a parallel path of meaning and purpose in their life. And I think about Carrie Walsh Jennings, who has been very public with the work we've done and how she's got like this two-prong approach. If you don't know who Carrie Walsh Jennings is, she's yeah, four, yeah, four-time yeah. Olympian, three-time gold medalist uh, and took bronze in the last Olympics. Extraordinary at what she does in beach volleyball. And she's got a two-prong goal to be deeply connected to her loved ones and kick ass on the world stage. So, yes, we need to train our mind. If we want to do and experience this life uh, in a meaningful way, we definitely have to train our mind. And that's what Coach Carol and I um, have built this business on the back of our what are the proper science meets application principles and tactics to help people train their minds to be more present, to become more of themselves. Okay, so let, let's separate out a principle and then a technology for a minute. So let's talk about a principle. Any guidance for for us who are saying, yeah, I want to get better at my ratio of, you know, appropriate amounts of acknowledging reality versus excessive negative emotion dwelling yeah. on things? Yeah, for sure. That's a good question. And <clears throat> like, I, like we talked about earlier in part one is that there it's a tapestry that we're weaving. And for some people... The, um, the components that we're stitching together to make this large tapestry, mindfulness might take up like 25% of the overall tapestry. For some people, optimism is very small because they're already like pretty optimistic and they don't need to spend a lot of time training it. But let's start with optimism. I'm sorry, let's start with mindfulness. So mindfulness by definition is a particular way of being present without judgment. So it's a particular way of being in this moment without all the self-critique. And the reason that that's important is because life happens in this moment. And at, at underneath being present is a great awareness and a great concentration and focus. So with deep focus, we become more aware of four things. We become more aware of our thoughts, either they're being productive or destructive. They're either building or taking away. So we become more aware of our thoughts. Yeah. And do you, do you have people literally like um, take the time to acknowledge that and like name it and claim it, or like what what what's a if you get a little sure. granular mm. on that, 
What what kind of training wheels do you give for people who are so starting as soon as to you become that? aware that you speak to yourself like like your worst enemy or competitor or friend or whatever like as soon as you become aware that you are talking shit to yourself more than you would ever say something to somebody else what do you do with that the first order though is awareness okay so it's not you can't do anything if you're not aware so the first order is awareness and then once you're aware of it then we get into the skills and so if you talk about being granular with the skills there are thousands of skills and so one of them could be to wink like wink and smile like oh there's that thought again Okay, come on back to this moment. There's that thought again. Like, mm -hmm. okay, hold on. C come back to where my feet are. There's that thought again. Oh, you know what? Golly, that shit is crazy. Why do I keep doing this to myself? I'm never going to figure it out. God, I know that I'm not supposed to speak this way, but why do I do this? I'm just not going to figure it out. Like, I, I don't, my life is going to be miserable. That's what happens. That's not readjusting. So that's awareness that you've got a shitty thought, but then you've got to be able to bring it back, right? So bring it back to what? Bring it back to something that you're doing in the present moment, something that's experienced in the present moment. It could be sun on your shoulder. It could be the food that you're eating. It could be the words that are coming out of somebody's mouth. Because you and I both know that while we're talking right now, and unfortunately I'm doing way too much talking, that, that you're having a conversation with yourself that is different than this conversation. Unless you're fully connected and engaged, and we're both in the midst of the conversation together. And that's what it means to be fully present. But there's unfortunately all this other internal distraction and noise that that we've learned from extraordinary performers is that they are better at gating that noise out. And as soon as negative stuff pops up, they just don't water it. They don't want it to grow. So they shut it down. Or they eloquently come back to now. You know, it's interesting how many different people talk about this subject from different angles like it just comes up again and again um do you know this uh got a lot of people don't know uh austrian philosopher martin buber from like 100 years I ago one of the gnostics he he really was nuts about the idea that so much of the friction in our life comes from when we objectify other people um and that basically like the the way we can think about the way we can choose not to think about people like a pawn on our chess board is by being deeply present with them. And that he felt like the ultimate humanization is being present. Um, and that, you know, there's no need to justify, <laughs> justify our objectif objectification of others if we're actually mm -hmm. present with them because we're, right? <laughs> then we won't be, or, you know, we just, it lets us off from the blame game and we can just acknowledge and apologize for the past and be present now kind of yes. thing. And uh, so I'm thinking about, you know, there's a, there's a guy, uh, Dr. Block, I, I've read his stuff. He's working on PTSD where with soldiers kind of showing how mindfulness can get the same results as drugs basically for helping PTSD. And it's got some tests have come in apparently that it's, it's doing better than, than uh, pharmaceuticals. And he has people do things like literally just rub their fingers together and like concentrate on what it feels like to breathe at a, at a moment to like bring them back present. Do you guys get that granular with your stuff or, or do you have tactics like that for somebody who's starting down this path of wanting to shut well, it off? I would, I suggest that not, I suggest, but what I've come to learn is that everybody already knows how to do this. Mm. So what we ask people to do is we, 
we have a fundamental belief that everything you need is already inside you. Okay, so how have you been successful in the past doing this? And they say, you know, huh, I don't know. Okay, well, let's, 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 let's take a minute here. This is important. How have you done this in your past? And they'll say, oh, you know what? I think I do it like this best. Great, <laughs> let's go. That's it. Right right yeah. Okay, good. Can you make a commitment to do that next time? Yeah, I can do that. That's, I've done it in the past and it's worked. Okay, well, there you go. So there's no right and wrong way. There are, there's lots mm. of tactics that you could use, but you've already figured some stuff out. Now, if someone says, I've tried it, but you know, I just don't think that that's, I don't think it's going to work for me now. I say, okay, well, what do you think would work? And they say, I don't know. I'm lost. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Well, here's a couple that I've learned from other people. Do you want to try one of those? And so then there again is that they're making a choice. So if anytime somebody says to you, here's the way to do it, just start going, uh-oh, this is guru. This is guru <laughs> stuff here. Like, uh-oh. Yeah. You know, like that's not, I don't know. I get really nervous of that, the, the sage on stage, the guru that knows better than me um, or knows better than anybody. That being said, like I have incredible respect for people that have spent deep, nauseatingly deep focused amounts of time on trying to understand the nuances of a science or a craft or an art. And so we want to listen. But what, what we tend to find is those that have learned a lot realize that there's so much they don't know. And so um, that part is a, a really important part of the subtlety of mastery. Yeah. What do you feel like are some of the other subtleties? Um, humility. So I think that we know from good research that experts tend to overestimate their skills and abilities. And then if you take a step up from experts is, and there's, there's, there's a facilitative positive reason why that can play to somebody's advantage. But if you take a step up from experts and go into people that are masterful, um, they enter the space of humility and because they realize that, oh my goodness, <laughs> you know, like there's so much to know and there's a deep confidence that many of them have. Um, and I don't want to be, Pollyannish in any way by saying that, you know, uh, some people that are masterful at their craft are a disaster as a human. Like, yes, that's the case as well. So when I think of mastery of craft, I also want to put in their mastery of self. And it's the combination of those two that is rare, but possible. And those are, those are the folks that I want to study um, more deeply, or that I am studying yeah, more deeply. Yeah, can you tell some stories? Who are some people like that you look up to? Yeah, you know, um, there's some that you'll know and some that you won't know. And some that you know um, that have their life together and are exceptional at what they do, uh, they tend not to be that public. And so there, I know many on the world stage that are masterful at craft but are still on the journey of mastery of self. So those that mastery of self tends to happen later and later meaning after the, the spotlight of media has, has shown on a young stud, right? It's the old, it's the old bull that tends to have the mastery of self and mastery of craft together. Yeah. It's okay if we haven't heard of them. I, I want to hear about, I, I would love to hear about 
somebody I haven't heard of actually, and and what it is you admire about sure. them. Sure. Okay. So there's there's a gentleman that named Varun Soni, and uh, he's a young um, professor and chaplain at USC. And at USC, uh, they've got hundreds, hundreds of spiritual practices on campus. And so he's had he he's dedicated his whole life to understanding um, the respect of other people's religions and their spiritual pathways. And so I think he he is really switched on on the path of mastery for sure. And um, both master self and others. You know that's one. Yeah. Any any examples or like interactions with him or something he said to you or something you read about him? Um, no, I, I just I've, the way that I've gotten to know him is that every interaction is that he's purposeful, he's grounded, he's present, he's sensitive to the nuances of other people. He's got a well of knowledge that is extraordinary um, about some of the deepest and hardest questions in the world, like what are we doing here, and how have some of the most influential thinkers of the world tried to sort that out, like like Gandhi, like. Um, Jesus, like Buddha, like Confucius, like how are they sorting this out? You know, and, and another um, John Cabot Zinn, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with him. And no, um, no. John Cabot Zinn is um, one of the four, uh, maybe grandfathers at this point. I don't know, but fathers of, a, of 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 mindfulness in America, and he's the author of uh, mindfulness-based stress reduction, and it's been a game changer for. America, for sure, and people that are um, as you as you would he, know that mindfulness is a buzzword for many people, and it's very much of the zeitgeist now. He was at the tip of the arrow forty years ago, maybe even longer. And so, John Kabat-Zinn has mastered his craft through mastery of self. Um, he's exceptional. Um, I think of people that are so humble um, that I've been fortunate enough to learn from on and all of these people that I'm talking about are on the Finding Mastery podcast. Um, Singer songwriter, which, which by the way, if people don't know what that is, it's findingmastery.net. You should definitely go listen to Michael's show. Yeah, sorry. Oh, on. thank you, thank you for that. Um, I appreciate that a lot. Uh, I, you know, and this might sound counterintuitive, but singer songwriter Jewel, and so she is obviously very well known, and she's exceptional in her craft of singing, you know, folk music, and but her investment in meditation and mindfulness is unbelievable, and she has. <laughs> She has definitely figured some stuff out. And so she's exceptional in her own right as well. So, I mean, those are some folks that, um, and I can say what makes her exceptional is she's been through the fire of pain. She's come through it and she's better because of it. And that's the same with John Kabat-Zinn. Um, you know, and that's the same with just about anybody that uh, I would put in that, in that place is that they have run to the edge on a regular basis to the edge of their capacity, which means they run to the places that they're most unstable. They don't play it safe to look good or feel comfortable. And when you're at the edge of instability, you get burned, you know, sometimes. So um, they've gone through the pain and let down and disappointment and hurt and come through it a stronger human. And I think that that's an important part, definitely important part of the process. Yeah. Well, I know we should get close to wrapping up part two of the episode here. Um, but, uh, you know, besides people obviously going to check out the podcast and seeing uh, you and Coach Carol's company, com, uh, Compete to Create.net, um, maybe a, a question, a closing question for me would be, uh, it seems like you have a similar interest that I do. Uh, we talked about before having a number of, of tier one special ops guys 
former tier one guys who work at our consulting firm and you know we've had guests on our show and you've had guests on your show um to me they're a, a, that's a fascinating group of people and i'm interested in anything you feel like you've learned or observed from that population there's a commonality amongst these men and women who have invested their lives in the in the martial arts and uh, the the art of warfare and something that keeps coming up for them is that they, without hesitation, know that there is far more inside of people because they've experienced it. They've run to the edge of their instability. And I think of one of my dear friends who ran SEALs Team uh, 6 for a long time. And not 7, but 6. A lot of people say, say 7. But uh, he's exceptional. And he says um, two things. And this sums up like many of the operators that I've been fortunate enough to learn from is that he says, uh, there's far more in you than you know. And the second thing he says is when something really matters to you, you'll do whatever it takes. So the takeaway is to get really clear that of what matters to you most. And when that's the case, you'll do whatever it takes, whether it's um, trafficking of children whether that is um, whatever mission that you might be on in your life, to be a world-class parent for this beautiful soul that you brought into this world, or to be an entrepreneur that um, part of a technology or something, a startup that uh, could potentially change lives. I love it. I think that's a great place to end. Brilliant. Thank you for your time. And um, uh, congratulations on the success you've had in building your community and um, helping spread and amplify ideas of uh, from people that that have a lot of care and so i wish you the best in your foundation as well hey thanks so much for making time today well that's it for the episode one other thing i wanted to tell you about if you remember the guys from convoy uh in episodes back ken free and trent mano i went on one of their ceo trips to new york and i met a guy named brent thompson very successful entrepreneur he was former ceo of jive communications big uh company now i think three or four hundred million dollars Anyways, he, uh, he started a new company called blipbillboards.com. I'm super stoked they're a sponsor now. But I, I remember a year and some ago when I met him, I thought it was genius. Instead of having to buy six months or a year's worth of billboard um, for thousands of dollars, you can buy eight seconds at a time for like 10 or 20 cents. You pick what billboard you want it on, what time of day you want it to run. And it just puts so much power in the hands of, of marketers and CEOs who want to try something and see if it works. You can buy as many or as few as you want, change it as many times as you want. Uh, I think now our podcast is being advertised on billboards in like 18 different states because we have these guys as sponsors. We're pretty excited about it. Hope you check out blipbillboards.com. Thanks. Hello, I'm Joe Cordell of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. At Cordell & Cordell, we encourage our clients to participate, to recognize how essential their role in this process is. They've got to be willing to help us help them. And by working jointly in a sort of partnership, we're more likely to get the best possible outcome for our clients. And that's really the standard that our clients can fairly hold us to, is what is the best possible outcome for them. So clients who are facing divorce need to recognize that for them to succeed, they need a partnership, a partnership between them and their attorney. The attorneys at Cordell & Cordell work to help men maximize their role in their children's lives. Contact the domestic litigation firm of Cordell & Cordell to schedule an appointment with one of our firm's San Francisco area attorneys, a partner men can count on. 
650-389-1111. Online at CordellCordell.com. That's CordellCordell.com. Offices in San Francisco, San Mateo, and San Jose. Se habla español. Legal services available in English and Spanish. Kimberly Llewellyn licensed in California.